It's that time again where we join the team at Heading for Headship, our new audio professional development series for the aspiring leader in the world of education. Hello, I'm Claire Savoy. And I'm Adam Hare. And you're listening to Heading for Headship, a series that acts as the aspiring leader's personal shopper in the department store of education. Allow us to measure you up, note down your particulars and kit you out in the ultimate outfit that'll have you striding down the corridors of power with confidence and sass. Whilst you're with us, why not let us present you with a dazzling array of accessories that will show off your assets in a way that is self-assured yet understated. And in this episode, there are rich pickings to be had because moving from our shopping trolley of aspiration onto the conveyor belt of professional guidance and into our leadership bag for life is the full range of our Heading for Headship new season collection inspired by and entitled Teaching and Learning. Ask any layman, or upright woman for that matter, and they'll tell you that a school's number one purpose is to teach kids. And, even though this laid man and or woman probably won't be able to tell you the difference between a bead bar and a ten frame, or know their fronted adverbial from their subordinate clause, they won't hesitate to criticise the quality of teaching today. Recent polls in The Times, Daily Mail and The Sun reveal that 97% of readers believe that the standard of teaching has declined to below record levels, with some readers claiming that education is far more worse than what it was when they was at school. Later on in the programme, I'll be talking to Ofsted's Commander-in-Chief Michael Payne. But first, we sent HFH reporter Jonathan Monckton to meet one of this country's most well-known headteachers. Back from his latest speaking tour entitled... My way can be your way, so let's take the highway my way together. David Crosshatch has returned to the school where he made his name as most inspiring head teacher in Abingdon on Thames. Jonathan caught up with him as he was just about to launch an exciting new initiative at his school. I'm here in school on the Thames Primary School, where head teacher David Crosshatch is about to begin a teaching revolution all of his own. David contacted Heading for Headship to say that we should probably want to talk to him about how he is, quote, giving his teachers a shot of espresso pedagogy right into their mouths. With an offer like that, and with him offering signed copies of his new book inspired by his recent regional tour of conferences, we felt it only right to find out why he is so far ahead in headship his school can barely still see him. It's an exciting day for school on the Thames Primary School, as they haven't seen David Crosshatch for several months. Whilst I wait for Mark to arrive, I talk to his PA, Emma Tyson, about what it's like having a dynamic and inspiring headteacher for a headteacher. We began by looking at David Crosshatch's wall. And over here is a picture of David shaking hands with Richard Hammond when he received the Best New Conference Keynote 2012 at the Mini Baby Bell Education Conference Awards. Richard Hammond won Best New Conference Keynote. David won. Oh, of of course. Uh, And who are those two squirting him with foam? Oh, that's when David appeared on Dick and Dom in the bungalow. Oh, I see. For the uh, for the kids. No, he thought he was going on cash in the attic with his mother. Oh yes, there she is. Gosh, and uh, and over here there is uh, how shall I describe it to our listeners? There's a wall, and on the wall are lots of certificates in frames, and underneath them is a modest set of shelves with what looks like miniature metal shields and golden stars on shrunken wooden plinths 
all standing neatly in a row upon each of the shelves. This is David's awards wall and trophy shelf. Let's see, we have Oxfordshire's best school of 2016 in the mid-sized school category, Bachelor Cuppa Soup's most innovative ICT suite 2010, Saga Reader's Head Teacher Haircut of Choice Award 2017, and this trophy has been awarded to David Crosshatch for services to Snapchat Education Conversations, February to March 2018. This is a very impressive hoard. David Crosshatch is a very impressive man. Hmm. What drew you to working for him? You can't draw a force of nature. No, I mean... David is energy. He feeds off the energy of others so that he can energise those around him. Couldn't he just not take their energy in the first place? Are my ears burning? David! All right, PA, calm down. This is Mr Monckton. Is he a parent? No. Great. If you remember, Jonathan Monckton is from A Head in Headship. A heading for headship. And he's here to... See what I get up to in this crazy place? Well, you've certainly come to the right place at the right time, because as I always say, there's no time like the right time right now. Coffee? Do you have any tea? PA, tea times two for the two talkers. Two teas. Right away, David. Now, Jonathan, are we recording? Yes. Good. So I'm lying awake one night, wide awake. I've just come off stage at Woodstock. You played Woodstock? Yeah, the Woodstock Festival of Contemporary Thinkers oh. in Primary Education. It's kind of a big deal. Two teas. Oh, uh, thank you. Now, David, the Chair of Governors has been in touch, wanting clarification about the agenda for tomorrow's meeting. Mr Johnson emailed to say he's still waiting for you to respond to his formal complaint. And Jack FM have called, asking if you'll be attending their Risk Takers Awards ceremony for Most Daring Leader. Uh, who else has been nominated? John Arlington, manager of the Holton Hounds Croquet team, Patricia Booth, manager of Cattington Cold Cuts, and Captain Cap, owner of Crocodiles of the World, Crocodile Farm in Bryce and Orton, although he may be disqualified. Uh, why is that? One of his crocodiles was let loose in Cotswold Wildlife Park. You may have seen the papers. Uh, who's presenting? Pat Sharp. I'll do it. And the others? Tell the chair I don't do agendas, I roll with the punches. And uh, talking of punches, tell the parent that nobody saw anything, so there's nothing to investigate. Right away. So, I'm in my hotel bedroom, still buzzing from the standing ovation, but I'm wondering why I can't get to sleep. And then it hits me. It's because I've been away from my school for far too long. Now you miss your school. No, they miss me. Oh, think about it. What's the most valuable asset in a school? Uh, the children. The head teacher, right. But if I'm not there, how am I inspiring others to be a fraction of what I am, which is more than they could achieve? Right. When just then, I saw my shadow cast on the wall by that trusty old source of light they call the moon. Hmm, I don't think the moon is actually a source of light. <laughs> it was that night, my friend. And as I looked at my shadow, I realised that that's what my school needed. If they couldn't have crosshatch in the flesh, they could at least have his essence. And in a flash, the idea for Shadow Teach Tech was born. And this is the innovation that you're launching in school today? Absolutely. And I literally couldn't be more excited. What exactly is Shadow Teach Tech? Well, Shadow Teach Tech is a revolutionary new system for interconnectivity between me and the teacher at an interface coalface level. And what exactly is that? Uh, it's pretty simple, really. Uh, the teacher and I connected via a series of interconnecting links that enable total learning immersion via the communicative system of the wireless edtech that we're both operating. I see. And what exactly is that? 
The teacher and I both wear interactive suits made from connectivity fibres that enable a dominant control to influence the subordinate so that the optimum teaching strategies are utilised. Right. And, and what exactly does that mean? It means, to uh, put it simply, uh, that a teacher, through a complex pedagogical communication system, will be able to teach more effectively. Ah, right. I see. And if someone wasn't sure what that actually meant, how would you best describe it? Well, I'd probably break it down further for you by saying that I've developed a special pair of interconnecting tech suits that I and the teacher wear simultaneously. Right. Teacher and I both wear interactive suits. Using a series of words and phrases, and at one point a diagram, David Crosshatch explained his innovative idea to me. In essence, Shadow Teach Tech is a pair of suits that both the teacher and David wear at the same time. David will be observing the lesson via a monitor and will give direct instructions to the teacher via a discrete earpiece. The suits use motion-sensitive technology, so when David moves his body, so will the teacher. This is because David believes that the words he speaks will require specific physical actions that may not yet be second nature to teachers not as skilled as he is. It is this Shadow Teach Tech technology that David believes will enable him to influence and support the teachers in his school whilst he could be as far away as Wallingford or Bicester. Today, he is trialling his new technology with an NQT called Becca Thompson. David predicts that his new Shadow Teach Tech technology will improve her teaching by 87%. And we'll be back with Jonathan for the second part of his report a little later in the programme. But first, to talk about his thoughts on the quality of teaching across the country and share some of Ofsted's current thinking on teaching and learning, we are now joined by Ofsted's Commander-in-Chief, Michael Payne. Michael, welcome. Hello. Now, before we start, you heard earlier how in recent polls, 97% of people believe the quality of teaching to be lower than ever before. Is that what Ofsted think? Uh, absolutely not. We we have more good schools than ever before. Uh, that means we have more good and outstanding teachers working in schools. Do you think the public's perception of schools is influenced by Ofsted? No, um, I don't think so. Really? Your predecessor, Sir Kenneth Wiper, wrote in his final annual report for the inspectorate that, and I'm quoting here, behaviour in most schools is an abomination and that teachers are to blame. I think that what Sir Kenneth was highlighting when he wrote that was that teachers are the people best placed to put improvements in place. He also said if half the schools in England closed down, nobody would mourn the loss. Do you not think comments like this have damaged the public's perception of schools? I think uh, Sir Kenneth did much to improve Ofsted, which has contributed to the raising of standards within our education system as a whole. But his often outspoken comments must impact on how the public view teachers in this country, surely? Well, a lot has changed, Claire, since Sir Kenneth retired. What do you think has been the most significant change in Ofsted since you took over the role as Commander-in-Chief? Uh, I'd like to think we listen more. To whom? Head teachers, certainly. Uh, there's more of a two-way conversation now between the education profession and the inspectorate. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Your critics say that you're in the pocket of a small number of influential head teachers, like a cheap politician who's thrown their lot in with a mafioso. <laughs> I mean, um, I've, I've not heard that. Sir Kenneth Wiper wrote that in an article for The Times headlined, An Inspector You Can Refuse. Well, I haven't read that, but I can tell you that I'm, uh, I'm not in cahoots with any group of head teachers. 
Uh, I do think it was time for Ofsted to change. Why? Uh, because I think that we were in danger of not reflecting some of the changes that were going on in schools. Was Ofsted out of touch? Not out of touch, exactly. You don't think that Ofsted were out of touch when they expected to see every child making rapid progress in every lesson? Well, I think that was born out of not wanting to see children falling behind. Um, I'm not sure it's Ofsted's fault if our comments get misinterpreted. Misinterpreted? Yes. The teaching input is sometimes not pitched to meet the needs of all 35 children simultaneously, meaning that some children are not challenged by every question asked. Too many pupils move from the carpet to their chairs too slowly, which inhibits their progress, meaning teaching overall is inadequate. These are just two statements from recent Ofsted reports, from schools that are judged less than good. How are those comments open to misinterpretation? Well, I'd have to read each report in its entirety in order to comment properly, Claire. Uh, but I don't think it's all Ofsted's fault. Each inspection is unique, um, as is every report. Well, forgive me for interrupting. You say every report is unique, but we took a sample of reports from across the country over a period of three months, and we found not just some common themes, but some near-identical comments. I'm, I'm working really hard on improving the QA process to reduce use of jargon and stock phrases. Adam has been collating the reports, and he's got some examples for you. So, Michael... How many times has this sentence been used over the last three months? Pupils' discourse is an obstacle to higher level learning opportunities being properly utilised. Um, OK, uh, I'd be surprised if that was used more than once. I, I, I really would. You say once. Our research says... <coughs> four times. Right. OK. And this one? Too often, children do not achieve greater depth in writing because the school's method of collecting data about this is weird. Well, uh, schools are allowed to use their own methods for collecting assessment information, and this can be a challenge for inspectors, especially on short inspections. So I'd say, at a push, five. You say five. Our research says... <coughs> Eleven. And finally, as usual, rapid gains in phonetic learning is hampered by silly rhymes trotted out by singing teachers wearing capes. What? You say what? Our research says... <coughs> 18 times. Doesn't this show that Ofsted still have a long way to go to gain the trust of head teachers? I, th I think my point has always been that head teachers should not be influenced by the Ofsted reports of other schools. Isn't that hard for head teachers to do when it is clear that Ofsted favours particular practices? No, Ofsted does not prefer any teaching method. In his recent book, An Inspector Calls, Sir Kenneth Wiper details exactly what Ofsted are looking for. Triple marking policies, mixed ability group work, didactic teaching methods, no excuses behaviour policies, streaming classes based on pupils' ability and weight, average point scores that track progress on a weekly basis. I mean, he pretty much gives up all of your secrets, doesn't he? Uh, well, they may have been his secrets when he was Commander-in-Chief, but Sir Kenneth book does not reflect the current inspection handbook. We're really clear. No inspector has a preferred method of teaching. All they'll want to see is whether what you're doing in your school is working. It, it's, it's really simple, Claire, really simple. So no top tips for teachers on the cusp of inspection then? My advice is always to teach in the way that is required in order for your pupils to succeed. Very good. Although looking at inspection reports you wrote, you didn't always think that. Do you recognise this comment that was found in 34 reports with your name on it? Teaching would be greatly improved if the teachers focus more on children's individual learning styles. 
Too often, the kinesthetic learners are left on the sidelines keeping still as the auditory learners are confused by what they see. I can, I can assure you that all my inspections were conducted in line with whichever framework was in use at the time. Michael Payne, thank you very much. And now we return to Jonathan Monckton as he explores firsthand David Crosshatch's Shadow Teach Tech. Can I get a copy of these reports, please? I'm here at School on the Thames Primary School, where head teacher Mark Crosshatch is about to try out his new Shadow Teach Tech technology. Class teacher Becca Thompson is in her class, strapped in and wired up to the Shadow Teach Tech suit, ready for the interactive lesson observation slash training to begin. Uh, Becca, my love, can you uh, can you hear me? I'm not your love, I miss Thompson. Now, I need you to remember, listen to me and then speak. That way, the kids will learn. Becca? What, have we started? Did you get that? Did you get that? No, Becca, that's a question for you to answer, not an instruction. Oh, right, yeah, I get it. And remember, sometimes you'll feel the suit move. Just go with it. When that happens, it's me providing you with the best dance or action to go with the teaching. Okay, I'm pumped. Let's get the kids in and sat down. Come on in, kids. Sit down. Now, before we start, this lesson might seem a bit weird because I'm trying something out for Mr. Crosshatch. Yes, he is in the building. I <laughs> love these kids. They just get so pumped when I'm around. Don't be rude, Gemma. He's still your head teacher and deserves your respect. Yes, I know that's not how I put it last week, but never mind. Becca, say hi from me. It'll give them a real thrill to know that I'm here. Okay. Kids, Mr Crosshatch says hello. Well, no, I know he's not here, but he's in my ear and he's talking to you through me. Yes, it is weird, Martin. No, he can't see you, but I can, so stop that or you'll be on detention. Becca, ask if they want to see something cool. Kids, Mr Crosshatch wants to know if you want to see something cool. They're all saying yes, Mr Crosshatch. Ow! Jeez, David, stop! For goodness sake, what did you do that for? Oh, come on, Becca. It's fun, isn't it, Jonathan? Well, I've never really liked breakdancing. OK, let's get serious. Becca, we're going into engage mode now, OK? That means that you follow my words and my movements. To disengage with this mode, you and I will simply... Say disengage. Okay. Engage. Good morning, class. Good morning, class. Disengage. Becca, have they said good morning back to you? Yes. Good. You're doing great. Engage. Today, we are all learning how to tell the time. Look at me. I'm wearing a watch. Today, we're learning how to tell the time. Look at me. I'm wearing a watch. Disengage. I'm not wearing a watch. Uh, why not? Because it didn't fit over this suit. Uh, would you like to borrow my watch? Becca, would you like to borrow Jonathan's watch? Who's Jonathan? I'm from Heading for Headship, a new series. She can't hear you, Jonathan. Look, Becca, do you want his watch or not? What kind of watch is it? Uh, it's a Casio. She means digital or analogue. Oh, uh, digital. It's digital. Well, that's no use for the lesson today. Uh, it has a light on it. Hey, can we hurry it up? Engage. If I was wearing a watch, I'd use it to tell the time. Who can name a time my watch might say? Who can write down a time my watch might say? I know I don't have one. Well, well, use your imagination. 
That's not a real time. Well, it is, but we wouldn't say half past lunch, would we? No, we wouldn't. Well, well, your uncle's wrong. That's not disrespectful. It's a fact. You, Kid A. How? Don't point my arm so hard. You nearly ripped it out of its socket. You, Kid A, what time have you written? Sadiq, what time have you written? Well done. Quarter past eleven. Oh, you thought it was eleven past three. Well, that's sort of close. And what about you, Kid B? Ow, what did I just say? And you just clobbered Sam on the side of the head now. Sam, Sam, you'll be fine. Wet paper towel. No, no, you don't need to go to welfare. No, you don't need to go home. Sam, people only see stars and birds in cartoons. I didn't hit you. No, technically Mr Crosshatch did. Disengage. Becca, I did not hit that boy. You're standing too close to the children. Step back. Um, I have a St John's ambulance badge. Would you like me to attend to the wounded boy? He's not wounded, Jonathan. He's fine. Becca, engage. Now, class, what would the time be five minutes before the time is now? What time was it five minutes ago? No, Sam, it wasn't 1965. You do not have concussion. Anyone else? Yes, Megan. No, that's ten minutes after the time now. What? Your watch is running 15 minutes quicker? Let me see. Uh, OK, fair enough. Why don't you set your watch back to the correct time? You don't know how to change the time? Your dad gave you his old Casio and you can't work out what the buttons do. Ah, uh, I think you press and hold the two top buttons and then keep pressing the bottom right. No, no, hang on, let's change the date. Engage. Time for a challenge. Time for a challenge. How do we say 15 minutes before the next hour? How do we say 15 minutes before the next hour? How do we say 15 minutes before the next hour? Not you, Jonathan. Not you, Jonathan. No, no, not, not you, Jonathan. What? What? Sorry, what? Jonathan, be quiet. Shut up. No, not you, Jonathan. Mr Crosshatch. Yes? Oh, disengage. Well, Jonathan, what do you think? Uh, I think... I think you press and hold the two right buttons and keep pressing the left one to change the time. After the excitement of a day filled with technology, one thing is certainly very clear. With the development of his pioneering Shadow Teach Tech technology, heads all over Oxfordshire will soon be able to interfere with their teachers' lessons even if they are busy speaking at conferences or attending award ceremonies in lands as far away as Aylesbury or even Stroud. Happy in the knowledge that his own influence still casts a dark shadow over his school, David Crosshatch is a man who continues to be ahead in headship. That was Jonathan Monckton with his Ahead in Headship report. Now, here at HFHHQ, we're always keeping our ear to the ground, and in doing so recently, we couldn't help but overhear some remarks made about the regional accents of trainee teachers. This has sparked a lot of debate about whether the way you talk affects the way you teach and your pupils learn. Adam Hare has assembled a panel of experts to discuss this further. Adam. Thanks, Claire. I'm joined in our HFH studios by Roger Moorish, Professor of Linguistics at the University of Canterbury, Robert Barnes, Chief Librarian at the Mitchell Library in Glasgow, and Polly Garvey, a professional voice coach. 
Now, Professor Moorish, let me start with you. You've been a long-standing advocate for the compulsory adoption of RP within teacher training courses. In this diverse world we live in, is that really important? It is, Adam. In fact, it is precisely because of this increasing diversity that being able to hold a conversation in the Queen's English is becoming increasingly important. If one is to go to a shop, whether it be in Cambridge, Grimsby, Coventry or dare I say Plymouth, you want to know that you can understand the shopkeep whose establishment you are wishing to patronise. You can be sure of this if he or she is speaking with received pronunciation. If instead you are greeted with a hullabaloo of unintelligible dialect, then where does that leave us? It leaves us alienated. That is why it is so important that youngsters are equipped with the skills of speaking as the Queen intended. Robert, what do you make of Roger's point? I can't stomach a single thing that comes out this wee jobby's mouth. It's totally insane, and it's disrespecting everyone who's got a tongue in their head. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Polly, hey, what you... I'm not finished, laddie. If you think the answer to the world's problems is to put a wee pair of plums in your mouth, then you're barking at the wrong tree, let me tell you something there. I mean, you can understand me just fine, can you? Like I said, excellent stuff. Polly, what... You're not going to answer. Ah, uh, what? Are you going to answer the good man or not? Well, let, let me come back to that. Polly, where do you stand, as a voice coach, on the freedom of accents in the classroom? Should trainee teachers learn to only speak with RP? Absolutely not. I feel almost the complete opposite to Roger. We are surrounded in this country by a rich tapestry of accents, and to try and dilute that would be a crime. I think it is a real shame if trainee teachers are made to feel like they need to soften their accents just to try and get children in the north to say bath, not bath. Absolutely. This way young Dana's got it bang on. That's the only way we're going to get our folks to respect one another. We're letting them talk the way they're going to talk. Any use is indifferent. You're taking a jobby for a ride without a paddle. I couldn't agree more, Robert. Children must not be made to feel like their native accent or mother tongue is improper or inferior. That's why I've set up a company that supports teachers in learning the local dialects of the children in their classes. So what advice would you give a teacher who's about to start a job in a place where the children in their class will have a distinct regional accent? Well, first, it starts with familiarising yourself with your pupils' colloquialisms. For example, if you were in Manchester and a child said, He took my last shorty. Good Lord. Well... I am a voice coach, Adam. Not off. What would that mean? You'd know that he was talking about his chewing gum. In Bristol, if a pupil told you that their pudding was Gert Lush. Sorry, what? You'd know they meant it was rather nice. Ha! <laughs> Hilarious! In Newcastle, if a child said that there's a git wall a cat in the playground lake. <laughs> what does that mean? You'd know they were talking about a great big cat. Then, it's about you being brave enough to drop these colloquialisms into your day-to-day -day interactions with your pupils and their parents. Roger, what do you make of that? Well, if I was in Glasgow, I'd say that she was talking mints. Don't be so rude, you scabby little tube. You should learn to shut your giggy, you wee walloper. Now then, calm down. Oh, it all comes out now, doesn't it? Charming. Oh, behave, Roger. You started it. Very ladylike. Folks, come on. Ah, shut your moaning, you wee little scrot. Your mo's got balls and your dad loves it. <gasps> oh, goodness.
So thank you to Roger Moorish, Polly Garvey and Robert Barnes. Ah, uh, thanks for nothing. <laughs> Excellent. Claire. Thank you, Adam. And food for thought for all of our listeners heading for headship. How will you support the talk in your own settings? Do write in and tell us. Now, we just have time to read a few of your tweets. At wejobby underscore five tweets, loving the idea of shadow teach tech. Hashtag avatar teachers. At heads up tweets, met crosshatch once at an award show. He hadn't won. Face like thunder. Lol. At supergeek tweets, I talked street to my year six South London posse. They axed me never to do it again. And at Nick Gibb tweets, that blue blood from Poshville should take the plums out of his mouth and... No, I'm uh, not reading that. And that brings us to the edgy weather and it looks like it's going to be hot, hot, hot. So remember to send that memo to staff about no flip-flops again. Thank you to all of the contributors to this episode of Heading for Headship and to all of you for joining us. We hope you'll join us again next time. I'm Claire Savoy. I'm Adam Hare and you are heading for headship. That was Heading for Headship, a brain production for nobody in particular. The script was written and performed by Tim Browse and Ellie Swain. Find out more by visiting the website www.headingforheadship.com. <laughs>